Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and today on the show, we have my good friend, Linda Tregalworth. G'day, Linda. How are you today? I'm good, Rob. Hit it. Welcome to today's show. I'm so lucky that I have this podcast and I wanted to take a moment here before we start to say thank you to you, the listener, for being so loyal and sticking with me here on these shows. I get to introduce you to my friends like I'm going to do for you today. I get to share their stories and best of all, I get to share all of the favorite things that I love with you ladies and gentlemen of the audience. And today, we're gonna talk about two of my very favorite things in the world. The first one is leadership, and the other one is resilience. Sometimes when you're faced with a massive adversity in your life, you'll have to go all in, and in the process, you'll develop skills that you didn't know that you had. Adversity has a way of forcing you to build a titanium shell around you so strong that the level of resilience resilience you develop cannot be broken by anything that life throws at you. And today, we're gonna share Linda's go-all-in story of these very things. Now, if this is your first time here at the Go-All-In Show, welcome, it's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here at the Go-All-In Podcast. Before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button there as well. So you don't forget, and don't forget to ring the bell. That way you will always have a little bit of go all in love and some motivation right in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and your family. Linda has a really important message to share, and if we can help just one person break through their barriers and get unstuck, then we would have done our job here on the show today. Alrighty, let's get into this. Linda, I've been looking forward to this one. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. All right, before we kick this off and get into your story, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about where are you from? There's a, a funny little clipped accent there that I'm so tempted to make fun of, but I'm just not going to. Where, where are you from? Isn't that how it works, though? Yeah. The rivalry, Isn't that right? it's a rivalry. You know, yeah. Kiwis and Australians. Yeah, and oh. I was going to say Melbourne and Sydney. Oh, Melbourne and we, Sydney. We got a double whammy here today. Double whammy. <laughs> um, I've uh, I'm yes, I'm a Kiwi, mm-hmm. and yes, I'm from Melbourne. I've been in Melbourne for 15 years. I've lived in the the the, um, the UK and New Zealand and here, but I love Melbourne. Have you lived in Sydney as well, have you? Uh, I, I've worked a lot in Sydney. Worked a lot. Yeah, yeah over yeah. the last sort of 15 years. Do you but... prefer Sydney or Melbourne? Oh, that's a tough one. They're both good, right? They, you can't compare them. Yeah, Now, that's, that's a real fence that are, uh, yeah. <laughs> answer, isn't it? But yeah. no, uh, Melbourne's such a great city. That I love the arts and I love restaurants and food. And yeah. you can't beat Sydney for uh, a little weekend away from a... Uh, a water and yeah. dress perspectives. Absolutely. Like best of both worlds. And you can't beat New Zealand for the scenery, right? We just don't have mountains here in Australia. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. Interesting. When I first came to Australia, people would say, let's go up to the mountains for the weekend. And I'd be like, you mean those really big hills? The hills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, not mountains. I climbed the tallest mountain in Australia, Mount Kosciuszko. Ah. It was all like 3,000 feet. It was a long walk, but I don't think it was hardly even an incline, right? It wasn't very big at all. So, yeah, we don't really have much of a high country here in Australia, that's for sure. Whereabouts in New Zealand are you from? Well, I grew up in, a, in, a, in Wellington and Palmerston North. Mm-hmm. And I spent, uh, I, well, I, I was born near the Waitomo Caves, right. which most people would know, um, for either the caves or sheep sharing. Yep. Definitely not a sheep sharer, though. Very nice. And you lived in the UK as well, you mm-hmm. said. Whereabouts? I lived in Birmingham. 
Nice. Was it good? Yeah, I loved it. I loved mm -hmm. it. I appreciated it more, of course, when I went back, but um, loved it. I loved getting to know the English. And you know, I lived in West Bromwich and I lived near the Cadbury Chocolate Factory in Sally Oak. Oh, very nice. Very yeah. nice. So, yeah. And how, how many years did you live there for? Only a couple of years. It was my years. OE. Big uh, OE. Right. Long yeah, time yeah. ago. It's like a rite of passage that Aussies and Kiwis mm. and British people too, they have that. They come down here. Yeah, but yeah. they all come to Sydney. They do, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. There was a fellow I was talking to yesterday. It was a French guy. He rang me and we were talking about podcasting and just doing some business stuff on the phone. And he said, are you in Sydney? And I said, yes. I'll see if you can guess where I am. And he goes, you're in the Shire, aren't you? And his French accent, I'm not going to try it. And I said, I bet 20 bucks that's in my wallet that you're in Bondi, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, I'm on Bondi Beach right now. The, and French, I was like, the French so love Bondi. stereotypical, Why right? Why do they love Bondi so much? Why wouldn't you love Bondi? I it's know, a beautiful it is part of the beautiful. World. So nice, iconic. Nice. So tell us a little bit about you and, and, and your your business, right? You you work as a, a professional coach. You are mm. helping a lot of corporates. You help individuals as well, not just business owners. How did you get into it? How did it all start for you? Oh, I was pretty passionate after working in organisations that kind of, um, you know, were going through lots and lots of restructuring. And, and how do you actually take your strategy forward when you, you're kind of keeping an eye on the figures? And then what do you do with the people? So I was really, really passionate about getting the most out of people mm. through that. So it kind of kicked off my journey into coaching. And, you know, it's always been the theme, whether I've been an employee consultant or, a, or a, you know, working as a coach. Does it light you up? Does it light your fire and like I, excite you? I love it when, because really all I am, not downplaying what I do, but all I am is a facilitator. So just getting the best out of people. Yeah, right. I and, love it. And and what feels what feels the best? Is it? just seeing them succeed or is it you knowing that you help them succeed? I love it when the idea becomes theirs mm. and they absolutely own it. Yeah. And that's just them doing it. It's beautiful, isn't it? I, I use a sales technique uh, called inception and of the same of the same movie type with Leonardo ah. DiCaprio, right? It's a, it's a fella, his name's Oren Claff, that's his methodology, and he wrote a book called Flip the Script, mm. and the sales technique that he uses is called Inception, and how do you get the customer or the prospect to think that your idea is their idea? So when you can, when you can get that process to happen, when that process of inception actually happens, all of the objections in a sale mm. goes go away and then all of a sudden you've just got to fulfill. It's a question of mechanics and price. Can we do the right thing? But if they agree that it's a good idea, then it can be a really, really powerful thing. And I see that happen all the time because I've got these little strategies that I use and techniques that I use to make the idea of being interviewed on a podcast a good idea. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's such a good idea. And they get all really excited by it. And when I see that happen, I'm like, ha look at that. You think it's a really good idea. So I've got a little bit of experience doing what you do there with Inception and whatnot. Have you had a big win recently with a client? Uh, I've been working with some clients in New Zealand. Right. And, and you know what? They, they actually asked me to work with them on their authenticity. Right. Yeah. So how do you write and portray what's inside you? Mm. As a leader in organisations these days, uh, I think it's really difficult to sort of navigate what you're meant to be versus who you are. Yeah, yeah. And when you wear that mask at work, there's different versions and flavours mm. of that depending on what time of the damn day it is, right? Well, who are you with various different people? Who mm. are you with the board? Who are you with your leadership team, your mm. colleagues? Who are you with your people? And then what happens when you get home? Who are you with your family? Yeah, yeah. So how do you show up and be authentic at work? What do you mm. got for us? Mm, well, 
Um, Depend, well, it depends on the circumstance, right? It's different really, for everyone. It really depends. And I think, you know, I was, I was talking about it with the, you know, on my way here, the, one of the guys on the plane, right? I was mm-hmm. saying, I think one of the biggest challenges for people in organisations these days in leadership roles, people in general, but in leadership roles, because we're all leaders, right? Mm. Um, is that if you can see a little bit further than beyond your, you know, financial year, you can see where you need to take a, a situation or a strategy and do something different that involves people and customers, um, then that takes a bit of strength and courage to dig in deep and actually make sure that that actually happens. Mm. And to get people on the vision when they're really focused on this year's financial targets is is actually a really tough job. Yeah, it's a bit of a dichotomy, isn't it? You've got one eye on on the the grandiose woo-woo ideas and then you've got to deal with the day-to-day practicalities of it and you've got to balance that, right? That's right, because you've got to to hit your targets. All Mm. of us are in business for a reason. So you've got to hit your targets. You've got to do the right thing by hitting your targets so you can keep the people employed in jobs doing that and shareholders getting paid and all those things. I was talking to a uh, another lady. She's also a uh, she's kind of like not like a business coach so much, not like what you do. She's more of a consultant, and the type of work that she does in organisations is help them to restructure. So I was talking to a lady the other day on another podcast. Her name's Regina, and she does uh, not coaching, but she does like corporate restructuring. And I asked her, uh, and she'd worked with more than a hundred companies over the last couple of years and had some really big wins. And I asked her about a big win she had. And she was telling me about a company that had 327 employees or something like that. They were going to go into administration. Everyone was going to lose their job. And she got in there and, and turned it around and fixed mm. it for him, right? So it was a really cool story and she was really proud of that and she yeah. should be because it affects so many people. And I, I said, you know, what what is the common thing that you see in organisations that's a problem? And she said, well, the people that are the CEOs and leaders of organisations know that they need to continue to develop and to grow and they know what they need to do to get there but often they don't have the personal development skill sets to bridge the gap from where they are to where they want to be and she was talking about authenticity there as well Mm. because unless you can eat a little piece of humble pie at that point when you recognize that hey maybe i'm not the right person to get us to the next level then the decisions that you make will be quite different to be being when you're digging your heels in saying, well, you know, this is my business, my company, I know exactly what I could do and I know exactly how to do it. And she was saying that it's actually pretty common for leaders in business to to not acknowledge or recognize where it is that they, the gap in their knowledge and where they're trying to get to. And it was really interesting because she was talking about, you have to be authentic with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be truthful with yourself and you have to you know, the only person that's going to fix that is the person that you look at in the mirror. And that that is a real challenge for people, right? Mm, I think that, that the truth and, you know, I was, I was listening to something the other day and they said that usually the the reason why people do something different in their lives and, you know, go all in, if you like, is, is really two things. They've either got amazing mentors and people that they want to be like around them mm. or they've had pain in their life that makes them do something different, like significantly different. Yeah. So if you've always been a leader and you're an expert in your field, so if I look at picking on bank, banking and finance because yep. that's always in the news, right? So um, I think there's experts at that field – but where's the investment in their own personal growth? Mm. 
Now, this is that how do I do better and better for me as a person to handle myself in situations that will be surprising because mm. as I get older, there's going to be life events that change and yep. surprises. And, you know, um, we talk about relationships and the relationship with ourselves and the relationship with others. But then we look at ourselves at work and we've got this connection back to these beautiful, important people in our lives that are at home, aren't part of our work mm. environment, but yet so so brutally and sometimes affected by it so that connection back to your personal growth is really really key to make sure that you're connected to all your relationships that mm. you've got trust and you can have the intimacy that life isn't too busy or you you don't get it's not too hard so yeah. it's always going to be hard but to make sure that you're supported and you support yourself and that's where that personal growth is so so key and that's the work that I'm really really passionate about leaders and mm. organizations to help themselves help their employees because We've got this unique thing, right? We go into these workplaces and we go, oh, I'm at work and I've got to be this way. And yes, there is an organisational need to achieve goals and values of an organisation. But what we don't necessarily look at is how do my own personal values align to the organisations? We don't necessarily opt out of that organisation if it's not a fit for us. We just stick at it and it's the same with leaders. It's really interesting mm. from that authentic, truthful mm. perspective, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day about personal branding because this woman mm. wanted to do some podcasts and she wanted to do some stuff and I, I said, what's, what's your take? What's your take mm. on personal branding? Everyone's got a slightly different slant and she was saying to me that your personal brand's not just the way that you appear or what it is that you put out there in social media or what you're writing about and all of those types of things. She said it's also your values and, mm. and do your values align to your – that is part of your personal brand. And if you're using a personal brand to try and further yourself, whether that's in a job, in a business or whatever it might be, mm. you've got to look at it as a holistic thing because – Otherwise, it just ends up being a superficial thing that people do and the vast majority of personal branding is superficial because it's really nice photos, it's really nice video, it's really beautiful content, but the reality is that's kind of surface level. What is it that you really stand for? What is it that's behind the person there to make them go forward with a personal branding perspective? And that goes to the very heart of authenticity, which is what you're talking about. Well, then, you know, if you you look at individual or sole traders and, and, you know, working for themselves. We're, we're going to face into the same um, level of um, feedback as organisations. It's just that the employee, average employee wouldn't necessarily see that. Mm. And sometimes some of the leaders, senior leaders or board, don't see the, the feedback, positive or otherwise. Yeah. So, but, but it makes us mean mean that we have to step out step up into our truth in order to face the reality of whatever that feedback is because that's our brand that's who we're we're actually doing it for who we're helping are the people that are giving us feedback and it's really important to take that on and yeah um you know be as close to the truth uh <laughs> or be the truth well be the truth but but the person receiving the information who's mm. uh, you know um may not be on the same sort of page, if you like, around where they're coming from. So yeah. it's about being able to have that interaction that is that truthful, courageous interaction sometimes. Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. Well, Linda, thanks for letting us get to know you a little bit. Hold that thought because um, I think that's almost the polar opposite of the resilience conversation. The truth oh. and resilience, they're almost in the same thing, but I want to talk a little bit more about that. But before we get there, let me ask you, people, come on out. 
on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, could you please share with us your biggest wow. Go All In story or stories uh, well, and, and your lessons? What are the uh, lessons that you learned from lessons, your commitment? So many lessons. Well, I think um, oh, what, I, what I know about myself is in the last 30 years of my working life plus – um, that, you know, I've had, I, I, and people say this to me all the time, like, you know, you've had, had a few changes in your, in your working career, Linda. I've done a few different things with a lot of themes. Um, but I've been really fortunate enough to um, have a lot more resilience than other people develop that because I have had, I think, five or six org structure changes in different jobs and different companies that I've worked in, yep. in different countries that have impacted my roles. So what that means is I get to reinvent myself. I get to learn different things. Um, so I think it's, you know, something like five or six times, right? You've had the so rug rug pulled I out have, from under your feet, literally. So I am pretty good at being, you know, one of those people who just goes, right, okay, what's next? Pick myself up and look forward. And, right. um, and I use that to my fullest advantage to make sure I learn different things and have different experiences, and it's been fantastic. Is that because you're not tied to the, to the role that you've had when suddenly one day it all gets restructured and you're going to, you're facing a redundancy and you got it. Well, what am I going to do? Is that, you know, that must've been pretty scary for some people. I think, I think this comes back to personal development. So what are you doing to make sure that you're looking after yourself to keep, to keep sight of what you need as an individual? Well, I didn't always know that sometimes, you know, I didn't yeah. know that that was what I was doing. That was inherently yeah. what I was doing. Mm. It was the books I read, the people that I surrounded myself around the, uh, events I would go to, even down to the movies that I'd choose to watch over, you know, some things, even TV these days. I don't really watch a lot of TV yeah. because I like to, you know, make sure that I'm I'm watching the things that are aligned to my values and aligned to my personal growth. So I've probably always done that in roles and I've always found people in organisations when I was much younger who could actually be people that I would aspire to be like or I like what they did. So I kind of wanted a little piece of that. So I've, I've you know taken all the gold and, um, you know, quietly achieved some mm. things in my career. I'm, I'm definitely not one of the, the squeaky wheels and I just kind of get on with it. Yeah. Much to my own benefit and detriment sometimes. <laughs> and, and some of the corporate jobs, it does pay to be a bit of a squeaky wheel, but I'm more yeah. of a get on with it and just. So take me through your mindset of coming to work, you've got a pretty good job, you don't mind doing it, it's all ticking along nicely and suddenly – a restructure happens, you're facing a redundancy um, and really that's one of those forks in the road of your life mm. where i got to go down here and I can go and cry in, a, cry in the corner or I can go all in over here and just get on with it and just move forward. Is How did you approach that in, in your mind? Um, well, before it even got to that point, I'd kind of get to a point of logic to say, well, this needs to happen in the organisation. So thinking a little bit beyond my role yeah. to really look at what needs to happen to service customers mm. and to support employees. So I always had that um, leaning towards what's the best thing for customers, organisation, people. So never just focused on my own role, what's in front of me, mm. looking at how I fit into the ecosystem to make sure that I can support it rather than That's be a victim of it. That's very selfless. Most people are just out there for themselves. Sometimes I've been selfless. Yeah. So, you know, I have um, I have re been in positions where I've reorganised my own yeah. structure changes and, and an exit plan. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good at being just fair-minded about it yeah, so rather rational than, about it. yeah rather yeah. than reactionary and drama orientated and holding on to that because 
the decision's done mm. invariably, and I never feel that it's done to me. Mm. I've been reading a book uh, recently, a friend of mine, he said to me, Rob, you've, you've got to read this book. It's called The Way of the Superior Man. Have you ever heard of that? No. And on me neither. I'd, I'd never heard of it either. And uh, that it's my friend says to me, oh, this is one of the, one of the go-to books in my life that I, I think I always refer back to when I find myself in a situation in my life or I'm encountering something or something's happening. These are, this is one of the books that I, I kind of lean on and remember. And I was reading it and one of the things that it says is they were talking about employment and losing your job and how you behave. And it's about masculine and feminine energy, mm. right? So, um, And it's really interesting because it pegged me like – like it's almost like reading your stars and everything. This guy's, as I'm listening to the audio book, I'm like, damn, that's me. Damn, damn. Oh, that's why I behave like that. Oh, oh, oh. It's just one of those things that really connected with me, right, in a good way. But he was talking about how uh, a superior man handles a loss of employment. And what they typically do is they give themselves enough space and time to find what it is that they want to do rather than just diving back in to something that they're going to hate anyway. And it's going to end up straight back in that negative feedback loop again of, oh my God, I hate going to this job. I hate this thing. I really don't like this. And eventually they lose their job again. And because they haven't got their finances squared away because they're in a job they don't like. They, and he really highlighted well that, and he says it throughout the book, he says a superior man gives himself the time he needs to be able to work out what it is that he wants to do. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's all good in the woo-woo world, but in the real world, you've got to go earn money, you've got to pay bills, you've got to pay your mortgage, pay your rent, you've got to eat, all of those sorts of things. But then he kind of qualifies that by saying, you do what you need to do to get by, but you don't go and commit yourself to something because you think you should be committing yourself to something. You give yourself the time you need so it can come all the way full circle for you to go, ah, yeah, that's actually what I want to do. And I was thinking, I was listening to that and I actually listened to that chapter a couple of times because there's some lessons in life mm. in there as well because I think most people don't realise that you transition many times in your life, particularly through careers, and you're, you're a perfect example of that, right? Not by choice in this case. Yeah, um, not by choice in, in quite a few cases and by choice in others, but you, the, the process that I've followed in, in terms of picking myself back up is – how much time am I going to give myself to reset, to really look at the values that I operate in life that are really important to me and to be able to sort of create that next chapter? Mm. What does it look like? Who do I want to be with in my day? What is my next leader as an employee? What is my, who, does, who does my next leader um, mm. represent? What do they stand for? Who, who are the people that I'm talking to every day? What does that look like? And that visualisation is so, so, so important. Yeah. It's like the number one thing that, as an employee, as a leader in a, in a company, that's what they should just do. Like it's such a simple thing, but the technique is so, so easy and to time box it is really important, especially if there is the I've got to feed my family yeah. or, you know, um, for a while there. It was it was me just doing my own thing, but it means that you have to back yourself. Yeah, So you if you do. put a time box on it and mm. you back yourself, Mm. And then more often than not, the clearer you are about what you want, whether it's work or relationships, it's the same deal. You get what you need. I believe everything happens twice, right? It's one of those sports analogies you see before when, um, you know, they scored a, a, a 
try playing a game of football and the and the guy comes out to kick the ball, he puts the ball on the tee, he looks up at the at the crossbar, he looks at the where it's gonna go and then he steps back and does some funny thing with his hands and he stands around the corner and then he runs in some weird way, kicks the ball and it goes straight across the like what the hell? And when when you unpick what an athlete is doing when they're doing that, they're going through it in their mind's eye. They're, they're visualizing him, he's visualizing kicking the ball, getting it across over right and squarely in the black dot cross there and he's kicking the goal you know because that goal might be the, the so defining point of, of winning the game mm. and, and I like to think that in my life when things haven't gone quite right when I've given myself that space and time as the superior man does I don't think I'm a superior man by any stretch but there's some lessons to be learned in that and I definitely have done that I've given myself some space and time to think about that and when I've sort of found something that's a bit interesting to me I pull on that thread a little bit and I do have a I'm not really big on meditation and things like that, but I have a different kind of version of that. I, I guess that's what it is. But I, I do like to contemplate and visualize in my mind's eye and play those things out and see how they go. And I, and I really kind of enjoy the process of visualizing if I did that, that would happen. And if I did that, then that would happen. It's like trying to play a game of chess, right? I play a game of chess with my brother and he's so good at it. You can see like 15 moves ahead and I do something and he just goes click, because he knows what I'm going to do. And I think you can do that with life. I think you can, mm -hmm. if you're going to go all in on something and you're going to commit to something, I think you should visualize in your mind's eyes, you're describing to be able to do something like that. But don't make yourself crazy over it in the process, right? No, that's so, so, so important. And I'm pointing at you because mm. the, the meditation side of it, you and I have talked about, <laughs> and, and you have your own ways of meditating, yeah. which work for you. But mm. it's that quietening the noise in your head mm. whether it's you know the ego talking the the nose and the you shouldn't's and couldn't's and wouldn't's and not possible it's actually just let everything go and just be quiet that's easier said than done but i think um you know for me going to the gym walking on the beach beach is really important to me mm. by the beach um but just quietening whatever's going on in your mind and just getting absolute clarity yeah perfect i love it i love it Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit about your business. What's your business called? It's Linda Tregowth Coaching. It's just, just your name? That's the one you used? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, is a bit of a mouthful, so I might have to rethink that if anyone's got <laughs> any ideas. But, um, uh, yeah, look, uh, I, I've, in my business, I have focused on business coaching, mm -hmm. um, uh, my, my, which is absolutely amazing, and I have had some amazing experiences. But my passion is with leaders with leaders helping their teams mm -hmm. um, do better, uh, not just performance in their own environments, but for themselves and individuals. So it's about seeing their whole lives take off and get to the next level. Um, what that means is they've got clarity on their own values, whether there's a fit. Yes, in some cases, some people, people have opted out of the work they're doing, mm. but it's made room in their lives for some amazing things to happen and also made room in the companies they've been in but the focus is really on um, helping leaders be supported get the trust within their teams the flow and effect for them is outside into their personal lives we've yep. talked about that a bit They're, that ecosystem is not separate it's one and the same one person definitely whole is. life yeah and um, really then seeing those those guys, not to say guys, but um, really, really work together to be cohesive. Because when the time, when the pressure's tough, and a lot of organisations are feeling a lot of pressure, even if they're ones that have been making a lot of money, mm. 
when times get tough, people break apart and they don't band together. And it's the banding together that is so, so critical to yeah. make sure you're supported when you go to work every day. Who wants to go to work and feel like, oh, God, not this again? Yeah. We've all had those We've all days. Had that. Yeah, absolutely. But knowing that you can make some choices and things always work out as long as you're clear and you know what you need. Mm. But the knowing what you need is really where I help people. Um, Are people clear on that? Do people know what they want out of life and what they no, want out of that? No, and a lot of people, when they get into the four walls of work, they go, mm. but this is what I have to do. Well, who are you at work? Right. Yeah. They, you know, I think people are just driven by finances. They're driven by their bills. They've got to go to that job that they hate. They've got to do those. But you actually don't. No. You actually don't. And, and you need to be reminded of that from time to time, that you don't have to be trapped in, in a job that you hate. You can go mm. and find something that you enjoy a little bit more. You know, and that's not to say that um, it's not going to be a grind. Everything is a grind over time. But there's no reason for you to be unhappy in what it is that you do at work, that's for sure, because you spend so much time there. So when you're, when you're happy, when there's joy in your life, it spreads to everything. Like yeah. it, life's just easier. It's lighter. And that sounds... You know, I've had some pretty tough times in my life. I've you know, shared those with you. So mm. I can say that those tough times, you come out the other side and you think, well, yeah, actually, when I'm clear on the decisions and the things that are right for me, rather than the feeling of obligation having to do those things, the yeah. going to work every day and feeling like crap and, mm. you know, what, is, what does that affect on other people? Yeah. That's, that's hard, isn't it? What, what have you What have you learned about resilience with leaders? Because this is, these two topics are two of my favourite topics. Because and and let me just kind of explain that a little bit. I'll pull on that thread a little bit for you because people ask me all the time, "Hey, you were in the army. You must have incredible team building skills and teamwork skills." And you kind of like, well, yeah. And the the inevitable question is always around, well, why why does the military function so well? in a team environment, why can't we get our organisation or our mm. business to function like that? Yeah. And I deal with a lot of different coaches um, just in the podcast booking agency because those folks are ones wanting to get booked and I always like to ask them what the challenges are that they face with their clients so I can align them to the right podcast to talk about those particular things. So I, I usually get to know people quite well. I've got to know you quite well mm. in that circumstance as well. It's helped me a lot. And the, the thing that I've noticed that is different be between a military style outfit and a civilian outfit in the military you're forced to do really hard things together and when you do those hard things it builds a bond and you've seen uh, you've seen plenty of army movies like everybody has it's the band of brothers that is created and that is forged and sisters by the way that is forged through uh, adversity and when you have adversity that builds resilience and when you go through something that's really hard together like that, then you've always got something to compare to. And I believe that that is the secret and the key to success in business and building teams. And actually, I think it's one of the keys to success in leadership as well, is you get your team to do really hard things together and make sure that you're in there doing it with them. And then you have a win on the other side of that and that feels good and it builds a bond so you don't come to work thinking oh my god not this again you're coming to work going come on we can do this we can do this and it and the motivation is then driven from within the personnel and the people that are there rather than the leader trying to motivate the people it comes from within the team that's there because you're all doing really hard things and everyone's suffering just as much as everyone else yeah and i think it's it's easy for people to feel like they're doing it alone mm. so um what i've sort of found over the last few years is that People share less. People see each other less. 
Um, but we're more connected than ever before. It's yeah, crazy, right? Uh, yeah, and it, yeah. it's 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 great. It's like you know, I don't I don't see someone for twelve months, but yet I feel like I'm connected to them. But yeah. it means that I can ask them how you're going. Mm. Um, but it's knowing that ask the question at the right time in a business. I get the sense that it's different. Mm. People don't necessarily because a lot of there's some companies that still don't operate with a whole lot of social media activity internally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, so they don't do a whole lot of sharing. So it's we assume that that sort of happens, but it actually doesn't. Yeah, it's and still pretty isolated. It's still and so some of those leaders are feeling, where do I go to? Who do I trust in an organisation? Mm. Um, who is it that I can have that? more intimate discussion without judgment. Yeah. I can't talk to anyone on my team because I'm going to look like a bit of a dick, yeah. maybe. I don't know, whatever they're thinking, but who do I go to? I can't talk to my leader. I'm going to look like I'm a bit of a failure. Mm. But if I talk to one, one of my peers that I trust, and but it's knowing who you can. Yeah. But it seems to be that it's just more fragmented rather than seeing each other for that, and I think it's really, really key. But for you guys to have gotten to that point, you would have had – quite a bit of training and some expectations of you set before you even got to that point to get you to the hard conversations. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. so there would have been a hell of a lot of investment in that. Yeah. You know, one really interesting point that you, you raised there, I, I read a book recently, it's called Outlaw Platoon, and it's by a fella named Sean Parnell. It's about 460, I think it's 465 days in Afghanistan, right? Mm. And he's the platoon commander. So he's like the modern day version of uh, Dick Winters in Band of Brothers like that. Uh, and it is an unbelievably incredible story. Um, and he was compelled to write that because um, he's telling his platoon's story of Afghanistan because they didn't have the ability to write like he did. Um, so he's a bit more educated than they were. So mm. he was compelled to do that. And they lost a couple of blokes as well, you know, and things happened and it's really bad. But he talks about him being the only platoon commander and he had less than three months worth of training because he was from a different corps and he changed over to infantry and then they went over straight away so he had he didn't even go to the school of infantry he learnt mm. on the job training he knew what he was doing they gave him some training but he didn't do the formal sort of training but he talks about throughout the whole book how he can't tell anybody about how he's feeling and mm. it's it's like at every point throughout this this audio book that I'm listening to, there's the end of the chapter and like, oh my God, they're about to get overrun and they're down to their last magazine in this firefight and, you know, it's it's five to one, they're outnumbered and they just, they just make it. And on the other side of all of that, so forget about all of what happened, he comes back to process it all, but he's got no one to tell. So what he does is he emails his dad and his dad's at home reading these emails about all these battles going, oh my God, what is my son into? And he kind of jokes about it in a book and he said, in hindsight, that was not a very good idea to be telling my dad. So it's really, really important that you have somebody that you can share your challenges with. And it was a, I think for me, the thing that I took away most from that book was not only the story of those guys in Outlaw Platoon and all the things that they did, that was incredible. Mm. But the leadership story that I, that I, the leadership point that I took away the most was related to how important it is to realize you're not alone mm. you're never alone you don't have to do it by yourself and he thought that he had to and you know a couple of years later after he's you know talking about this on a on a podcast and he's listening he says the same thing he goes that was the biggest mistake i made in leadership i was trying to do it all by myself and i was carrying the weight of all of that by myself but if i just had a spoke to the platoon commander or the boss they probably would have the, the other platoon commander or the boss it would have been okay to be able to talk about it and to have that conversation and it's like 
yeah, man, I felt like that. I felt isolated before in an organization. I felt isolated in my own business before. And you feel like you can't talk to anybody. But then we have somebody yeah. like you that comes in that can help with those challenges, right? That's your yeah. role. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a really good point because there's, there's a lot of solo operators out there who yeah. are in it alone. So finding a tribe and finding people who you can talk to is really, really key as well. Yeah. Yeah. What are your favorite types of clients to work with? Ooh. Corporates, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs? Well, I do like entrepreneurs. Um, I like their I like the mindset, like where they're going. Plus, it's kind of like a nice creative process. Yeah. But I, I love leaders who actually genuinely. Uh, it doesn't matter what type of business they're in. Now, that sounds really broad, but new leaders, mm-hmm. leaders who want to go and do something really amazing, who could very easily quickly lose sight of where their focus is on on people. Yeah. But people really focus on people. Right. Yeah. Is that a common mistake people make when they're starting out in business, when they're going all in and they're kicking off, they lose sight of what it is that they should be doing? Well, that's where you've got your passion, who you mm. want to help. So mm. if you look at business owners, I, I want to help people. So that's a broad subject, but I really want to help leaders who want to help lead their people, whether it's customers or their staff mm. or themselves, because it's, it could be themselves. I work with individuals. Um but I, I really I really help leaders in an organisation. Um, more recently, it's been corporate uh, organisations. But I really help them focus on their teams and develop themselves as individuals. Mm. So I almost get them to really not focus on the organisational part of it. And that takes a lot of leap, a leap of faith and yeah, a lot of I courage bet. to yeah. do that because yeah. it's very, very foreign to a lot of people in corporates, especially. Mm. Oh, we're not talking about the organisation. Well, the, we're in the organisation, so therefore it's implied that that's part of it. But I want to focus on you. Mm. I want you to focus on you because that's the thing that's going to help you do whatever it is in life that you want to do. Yeah. So your reason for coming to work every day, your reason for doing the stuff in life that you want to do with your friends, family, mm. things that you're passionate about, get focused on that. Know who, know who you are. Know your truth. Now that's a courageous conversation itself. Isn't it? Yeah, I could go deep on that one. Shall we? But yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Let's do it. Um, but the that, you know, that's really, really key to knowing what their role is in that place that they're at, whether it's as an individual owner or a leader in an organization. Who are you? What are you bringing to work every day? What is it of yourself that is going to make the difference in presence with your customers or your employees? Yeah, they're very good questions. Very good questions. I'm going to move off this topic of leadership and I want to tie it back to that resilience, if you don't mind. And Mm. uh, we're we're bumping up against uh, 45 minutes here. And I just wanted to ask you, how does does building resilience within an organisation and within yourself translate and carry over into leadership because dealing with people on a daily basis I've been in management roles where I've had jobs I haven't always worked for myself you know I've had in between things that didn't work you know businesses that crashed I've had to go and get a job and do those things and I've been in management roles and often would be rolling my eyes as this person's walking over to me to ask a question and it's very challenging to deal with that and what I discovered about myself is over time, I, I, it didn't affect me so much because I built a tolerance to it, which is not the right word. Resilience is the right word to say, it, to, to not be so annoyed by people and not be so impacted by people. Because if my job is there to solve their problems and provide solutions for them, if that's kind of getting under my skin constantly, I'm in the wrong role. But over time, I learned that that 
level of resilience that I built around those things was something that I could carry with me for the rest of my life. And I recognized that this was a challenging time in my life where I was dealing with people like this on a daily basis and having to solve those things. How, how have you seen leaders develop and, and use resilience to actually deepen their leadership skill sets? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there. There's, there's you know, resilience can very, very, very easily tip over into resistance if it's not if the choice is not there. You just throw your hands up; it's all too hard, right? Yeah, yeah. consciously, consciously, kind of opting out. Yeah, um, really. But and I guess there's shades and light of that right, right across people's decision making. Um, from a from a leadership perspective, I think what is it that they can do to look at their own if their employees are feeling that way. What is it that they're feeling in themselves that might be a little bit resistance, perhaps? Mm. Um, so we talk about resilience often in the workplace as what health and well-being, and it's definitely part of that. But what we don't look at it is more of a personal growth perspective, and it's all part of well-being generally. Yeah. But we look at it in little chunks to mm. say, oh, it becomes a bit of a health and safety issue. Well, yes, that's that's the way to kind of treat the effect of. You know, someone being unwell due to workplace stress or something like that. But but really what we should be focused on is the how to support people through knowing who they are, knowing what they need, more mm. importantly, to be resilient and to have a very cohesive um, workforce that works together and bands together. Yeah. Um, and it's not the leader doing it for them. It's it's these you know, beautiful people doing smart stuff on the floor in the hard, cold face with with customers mm. actually making a choice to do it themselves. So not just waiting for leaders because leaders could tell them how to do it, but it might not be the thing that fits for them. Mm. It might not actually resonate. Um, so I think it takes an individual's needs to really look at what their own, um, what their toolkit is for their own resilience rather yeah. than being told what it should be because that's a cookie-cutter approach, which is a way of looking at it, but it's not going to be the thing that fits one size fits all for everyone. It's an interesting conversation because sometimes I see people in roles and I, I encounter so many different walks of life in what I do for my business and I, I often see people doing something I think, man, I, I think I would last about 90 seconds in that role of what you're doing and the things that you have to deal with and the, the heartache of all of the crankiness or the problems that you're solving. It's like, man, that's incredibly like inspirational that you're able to do that all day, every day for eight hours a day. That's impressive, right? Mm -hmm. So people have different levels of tolerance and different levels of resilience. But I really think that what it is, it goes to the heart of your truth and understanding that they show up authentically and they genuinely care about solving those pe people's problems. They genuinely want to do the right thing. And for me, when I look at that, I'm like, I don't care about their problems. I don't care about solving their issue. And that's why I couldn't do that. And that's why, to me, that's so awe-inspiring. And I think it's really important that you kind of learn those things about yourself, right? Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's okay. I mean, one thing I look back, you asked me a while ago about my all-in, going all-in, was I was really super clear. I'll come back to that point. I was super clear on what I needed. Yeah. I, I, was, I, went, I never waited for anyone to tell me about it I never waited anyone to tell me how I should be you didn't need permission from anyone I didn't need yeah. permission um yes there were times that I I my voice did get more quiet because there's lots of squeaky wheels in an organization lots of personalities lots of egos and trying to find a sweet spot can be difficult to be heard or to feel like you can stand out to be yourself I get it mm. but the key is to find your tribe to find who you are to know who you are first and foremost 
and you know go from there and then you can ask for help being courageous enough to ask for help when times mm. are a little bit tough you've actually got the people around you who you need to tap into yeah. yeah. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Linda, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your world with us and sharing your insights here on the Golden Podcast. We really appreciate that. I can't close out the show without putting you in the podcaster's hot seat. Are you ready to go? <laughs> so why why did you go all in? Tell me. Why did I go all in? Gosh. I, I wanted I wanted to tell before we go to the hot seat, I'll tell you my story oh. if you like. It's related to um, I wanted to do a podcast. I wanted to create something. I've been in marketing and digital forever and media. I love futurism and all those sorts of things. Mm. But then when I looked out there, there's so many other people doing better stuff than I could ever hope to do because they were just positioned differently to what I was. And a lot of the stuff that I really like was very um, US-based and they just have access to different things there. And I thought, well, what can I do? What, did I, what do I do in my life? I, when I decide I'm going to do something, I decide I'm going to go all in. On it, right? And I, I don't really think too much about consequence when I've got an idea. I don't see the negative side of things, if you uh-huh. like, because if you concentrate on all the things that could go wrong, then guess what? That'll show up. So I like to go all in on things and concentrate on the good things. And sometimes they work out, and, and often they don't. Uh-huh. It's no big deal. I just chalk it up to experience and then just move on from there. I can do it a hundred times in my life. It's no big deal. Uh-huh. And I and I thought that if okay. I could tell stories of other people, because I'm not a man on an island by himself like Robinson Crusoe here in Australia, there's millions of people that go through those things every single day. And their challenges come from everything from losing your job because of a redundancy time after time after time through no fault of your own, for heaven's sake. You know, that builds incredible resilience like what you went through to health challenges that people face, you know, and to to family challenges, to loss, to grief, to war. And there's always so much to be learnt about somebody's mindset. And I know that from telling these stories and the hundreds and hundreds of messages that I get back and the feedback that I get, people are like, they connect. And I'm just a facilitator, right? I just get, I just allow you a microphone, ask you some like hopefully not boneheaded questions and you share a little bit of you with us and people love that. And people really, really enjoy that. So that that's kind of the reason why I go all in. That's the reason behind what I do. It's it's kind of cool. I love it. It's great. Yeah. And, and I'm deeply passionate about it as well because when I get to help someone like yourself to amplify their message, it feels really good um, because what it does is it kind of deepens a relationship between you and I, which is really nice because we'll be friends for a long time, right? And it feels good to, be, to have that. It's like a nice way to build out a relationship and – because we sit here for an hour together and have these like really impactful conversations. And the next time I talk to you, I can go straight to something like that. And you're like, you know me really well to be able to do that. I know you well, I could talk about that with you. And I have these conversations like this with dozens of people every week. And my life is just, is so rich Mm. with that. And I used to define my success by how much money I had or how much money I could earn or potentially get. But I don't really define my success by that anymore. I define my success by how many people I can help and how much, how much help I can give to other people. And then the richness of all these other relationships that I have is tremendously fulfilling. It's a really, really beautiful thing. And you've developed your memory. Gosh, you know some good stories. It's not too. bad, right? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's Thank not you. bad. We're going to have to go and kill a few brain cells with a cold <laughs> drink shortly after this, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, much needed. Right. All right, let's go back to the podcaster's hot seat. Come on. You ready? Yeah. It's a bit random. I like to ask these questions because uh, it's always pretty interesting. What's your your favourite – you've travelled the world. What's your favourite holiday destination? Oh, you know, 
I, I think um, it's a long time ago I've been there. Um, uh, France is one of my favourite places. Oh. The countryside's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's diverse and it's beautiful. I'm pretty sure I was French, uh, French in a past life. Uh, um, <laughs> what about the food, the wine and the cheese? Oh, well, and all of that, yeah. all of that. You know all of that, but um, yeah, I think well, there's a few combinations. I I, I like I love France. Bali's a good go-to place. You know I love that. I loved Hawaii. Um, I one of the places I went to last year, which I love, was Yosemite National Park. Oh wow. Oh yeah, and the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Just like I did all the, I did all the national parks in December with my breakfast, but it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but y- Yosemite and it was snowing and it, gosh. Looks like an Apple screensaver. Yeah, 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 I've totally got that. Um, And next time I go back, I'll be hiking, doing some hiking there. It was closed down for that. What happened? You had a busted wrist, did you? You you couldn't do that? No. Your legs work when you get a broken arm. I know, insurance, something. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't let you do it. It's a bit icy. Oh, right, yeah. Fall over and break your other arm, you'd be sorry. Clumsy person, right? Not anymore. (laughs) I've deprogrammed the clumsy, but it's, um, yeah, no, I just just love seeing different things and I love talking to people that are living in those places and what they see looking through the world and through their eyes. I just love it. It's definitely on my bucket list, Yosemite and and Tick, that one there, and France as well, Tick. That's Mm. definitely, they're both on my list as well. Haven't haven't done it either. What's What's a skill that you've not yet mastered? Oh, um, oh, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Good question. Oh, well, I, well, I've, I've mastered it-ish, not with confidence, obviously, but improving my memory. Like your oh. your memory. The reason why I bring that up is it's totally awesome and inspiring because you know I read a lot of books and there's a lot of information coming in, but I'm like. Mm. Yeah, I, just, there's a bit of stickability that needs to You know, I think that's a that's a, a form of meditation as well, right? Mm. You know, and it's um, where, where I live in Cronulla, I will go out, I'll alternate my days when I train. I'll go outside one day and I'll go inside the next day mm. in the gym or outside. And where I live, there's like a 12-kilometre walk. I can't really jog it anymore. I don't really want to jog it anymore. So I walk and it takes about 90 minutes. So it's not, it's not that far. It's not that long for an infantry guy. I don't know, maybe people listening think that's a long way, but for an infantry guy, it's not a long way. It's not a big deal. But every time I go outside and, you know, as soon as I wake up, my clothes are ready. I don't have to muck around with anything. I get dressed, I have a drink and off I go. And I've got something in my ears from the moment I wake up. And whether that's an audio book, a story, an autobiography or a podcast or something like that. And I think because... I'm only concentrating on all of those things. I have better retention. Mm. Yeah, it's like a little life hack, right? But your attention spans only, what I've discovered, is only about 20 minutes is what I feel. But then I did some research and your attention spans only about 20 minutes. So I do them in little spurts like that. So mm. do it for 20 minutes, take a break for a couple of minutes, then do it again and again. And That's so true. Yeah, my yeah. retention is so much stronger because of it. It's great. Well, maybe I should go back and check mine out. I, I do pretty much the same, but I just see it's knowing what you know. It's knowing not that, sticking. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got to get it to stick. Yeah, so just sort of um, making sure it sticks. <laughs> yeah, yes. beautiful. All right, last one for the for the podcaster's hot seat. Linda, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Oh. Wow, so much. Uh, okay, well, I I think long, long time ago was, you know, I was looking to get into project management and um, in the HR field. And the guy that, that was mentoring me at the time, I've had some amazing mentors, he, he said, just be the quiet observer that to 
this is talking about HR projects of looking at the changes that you need to make and um, be the quiet observer to look at the lay of the land. Don't get in there and assume. Listen, take it all in and then work out your strategy from there. Yeah, beautiful. And, and that was the absolute piece of advice because, you know, you get into rooms and meetings and everyone's talking and everyone wants to be heard and yeah. I'm just like... Be the quiet observer. I love it. I am the person who kind of brings it all back together. Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. Thank you again for sharing. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? They can get hold of me. Um, I've got my contact details on lindatregoweth.com, which is L-Y-N-D-A-T-R-E-G-O-W-E-T-H.com, but I'm sure you'll have all those details in the podcast. We absolutely will. Linda, it's been a real pleasure to sit with you here for an hour or so and to do this interview with you. Thank you so much for coming on the Goal In podcast and sharing a little bit of your story and a bit of your world. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Linda, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to her website and socials are going to be right there. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, just scroll down and all of the details are right there in the show notes as well. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Go All In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. It was a thirsty night when I first saw you. Those green eyes caught me. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a Friday night when I first kissed you. You struck me like lightning. You broke my chains and released me. And it's turning tonight on the couch in your apartment. No, I am not the same. Everything has changed. Every day. No, I'm